Welcome to Anger Management, the democracy podcast of Georg Dietz and Karin Pettersson. Today, in today's show, um, we have Wolfgang Streeck. He's a German sociology professor. He's the first European that we actually met for, for our uh, podcast. And um, we wanted to talk about Europe, but then we ended up talking as um, expected also about the end of capitalism because he wrote this very, very influential uh Essay about um, how will capitalism end? How will capitalism end? With a question mark. Um, that's yes. what he insisted on at the beginning. Um, I think it's more a factual description of how the lack of growth and um, the rise in inequality and uh, the debt, the, the 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 shift from public debt to private debt, is creating um, a quasi inability of capitalism to to survive. Capitalism uh, eating up itself. That's I think his. His yeah. big take. And not even a quasi-inability, but just a complete inability, I think. Um, because his outlook is very bleak. And uh, I also read uh, the last the, the book before that, uh, which is called Buying Time. And it's very, been very influential in the discussion of, of the future of social democracy the last few years. And he, um, he basically thinks that the old compromise between, I guess, labor and capital on how to distribute welfare and growth is over and that capitalism is um, on its way to self-destruct slowly but surely and he also thinks that the uh, institutions we have and and the political parties we have are completely uh, unable to deal with that so it's very bleak and very pos pessimistic Which I found interesting because he was a social democrat and then he left the social democrats. And if you say capitalism, uh, the, the relationship between capital and labor, yeah. labor is is fraud. Is so if that's, yeah. there's an imbalance or it's destroyed. I don't really see, but we come to this point again and again, this podcast. I don't see the function of a party that's based on that premise, the social democrats, um, which is the dynamic here in this podcast. You try to say... Um, We have to work with what with, we have, with what we have, which is uh, something. Something, <laughs> and you want to work with what we don't have, which is nothing. <laughs> well, if you, you shouldn't phrase it like that. I want to develop the tools to change as we go along, um, and for that we need ideas. Yes, and on this, I agree with that. Okay, and on this <laughs> side, he was very strong on the analytical side. I think uh, Streeck. Um, he explicitly said he's not somebody who comes up with ideas and solutions. He's a a German professor and that yeah that's fair and I think that's fair enough but I think the problem with his take and uh, for me at least as being someone who fundamentally believes in the I guess primacy of, pol of politics is that he doesn't believe in that there is any no, nation states have basically no agency political parties are over and uh, the future is just um, You but, know, but a, a big. But he's a proponent of the national state on the national uh, level. Yeah, and that's why what's interesting because he still um, he has very strong views about that. I, I I think we didn't really get to that in this conversation. Yeah, that's a controversial point. I think um, not only for us. I think personally, and we should have. Could we should have, have, we could could have, have asked more about that. Yeah, but it turned but, out to be an interesting conversation, uh, nonetheless. About mostly about then. Social democracy, future of capitalism, and uh, Selena Gomez yeah. made an appearance briefly. And now that we talk about, um, I think I, I would like to have him back, so to talk about the nation state more specifically, because I think that's a really central topic to some of the things that, that we think about here. The, You're really, really the, bad at marketing this podcast now. You should talk about the strengths of this of the conversation we had instead of the things deep, we didn't talk about. It was deeply analytical, and it was. Um, Uh, also moving because he had some really nice, uh, first of all, interaction with you um, more than with me. And he had uh, this nice metaphor of capitalism being um, an old and tired animal. Professor Streeck, welcome to our conversation. Uh, this is in a way a premiere. It's the first time that we talk uh, among Europeans in this ongoing research about democratic uh, alternatives or ideas about democracy. Um, you wrote a very influential text about the end of capitalism, how it will end, and that we're about to uh, well, witness the end. I'm, I'm curious about the, the place, though. So if, if you're looking 
at Europe or if you're looking at the U.S., is that a place where you would say there is this a day, so one one is more advanced towards the end of capitalism? I don't know if you if you took the time to look at the book. Uh, first of all, the title uh, has a question mark behind it. How will capitalism end? It doesn't say the capitalism is going to end. And, <laughs> and well, I think it does say no, so. And in, no, in, 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 no, in the no, text no. in the New Left Review, it says very clearly those are the symptoms, yeah. the uh, debt, low, slow yeah. growth, uh, inequality, and the we're sort of maybe already past it. I yeah. sort of am, no, we're uh, there. Now we're talking uh, uh, substance. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very long drawn crisis, uh, very endemic tendencies towards higher debt, higher inequality, lower growth, a sequence of inflation, public debt, private debt, until the collapse of 2000. Um, the, uh, the fact that uh, the global capitalist, global capitalist economy is now being uh, sort of sustained, barely sustained by mad uh, money production by the big central banks that are buying up all the, all the bad debt um, the, so, so that's the, uh, if you want, the structural background behind the argument, and uh, and then there's an historical argument that, uh, of course, capitalism was always a, a very precarious system, uh, very uh, shaky from the beginning. It went through one crisis after the other, and if you want to really condense the uh, the historical experience then it was always saved by its enemies uh, the, in the 20th century by the social democrats and the, and, and the new dealers in the United States or Keynes in, if you want Keynes, Keynes expected that capitalism will end uh, during his lifetime as did every major theorist of capitalism from John Stuart Mill via uh, Karl Marx uh, Werner Zombard uh, Schumpeter Keynes, all of them thought that this animal is going to die. And, and now you. Yeah, yeah, now me. So, <laughs> so, so if, 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 I, uh, if I am mistaken, I'm at least in good company. <laughs> yeah. right. But, but the, what is behind this is this uh, sort of improbability of, of a system that depends on an infinite, uh, infinite growth and the infinite accumulation of a capital that is capable of uh, accumulating itself, so to speak, further, yeah, uh, in in a finite world. So, so that's a uh, that's a proposition that each of these uh, people that I mentioned and many many others uh, uh, so that can't continue forever. And 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 my baseline there is it cannot continue forever, and it is. And the added baseline is that as the moment that the system becomes global, its opposition has disappeared. Yeah. Uh, you can organize a labor movement at the national level and then force the system to redistribute from the top to the bottom so that there is enough demand uh, in order to sustain the production process. But you cannot do this at the global level. That's impossible. So I, I think some political economists would argue that this idea of um, hyper-globalization mm -hmm. uh, has not, maybe is overstated mm -hmm. and that there's still some mm -hmm. real agency within the mm -hmm. uh, nation state. And mm -hmm. I guess if you argue mm -hmm. for that, you could also argue that there is a real possibility to create n a new counterforce or to organize uh, against capital in, in that's, new ways. That's the most recent experience, that, that uh, um, if, if, you, if you look at the last uh, five, six years after the third crisis, the crisis of, 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 of private debt, then what you observe is that uh, um, there is a... Uh, the, 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 or, or let's put it this way. The, the state system of capitalism, capitalism was always attached to a functioning international system, uh, both domestic and international. Why? Because you need uh, a hegemon to make sure that uh, there's a general money, that uh, contracts are enforced and all of this. 
historically this moves from uh, in a sense Genova to uh, to Amsterdam uh, to London uh, uh, to to New York but uh, these movements are critical in each case you have to have a war for the next hegemon to take over uh, and 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 in the in the first half of the 20th century as i say in the book uh, it was not clear who the hegemon was the british couldn't do it anymore the americans wouldn't want to do it anymore and then there were two centers uh, in the world uh, japan and germany that didn't trust in the global hegemonic order and wanted to establish their own order that is an autarkic system for which however you had to conquer the rest of the world in, and and so you and so you, you end up 1939 with this particular problem and after this you get a period of 30 years in which uh, in which the united states were able to play this role now my argument is that with globalization the United States have lost the capacity to be the single hegemon, uh, the, the host nation of capitalism, so to speak. Now a rival arises, which is basically China. And, and we never had a situation where uh, you had two hegemons that were able to sort of become co-administrators of global capitalism. It doesn't, it, it, there's no, no uh, um, historical precedent. What is worse is that the globalization process has penetrated into nation states so, and nation states were, have become unable to moderate the process of opening up their economies in such a way that their population was willing to play by the rules. Now they aren't playing by the rules anymore and you see it in the destruction of the center-left parties everywhere, in Sweden, uh, in Germany, uh, in in the United States, where you can say the Clinton uh, the Clinton machine was used to be the center left party, you see it in France, where the uh, socialists are only uh, a laughing stock. You you see it in Italy, and so on and so on. And so on. The center left that mediated this process in the late 1990s embraced globalization as in the form of liberalization, uh, leaving alone or leaving to their own devices growing segments of the population that could not cope with this. Now they vote for Trump, they vote for the Swedish, however, Democrats they, are, they may be called. Uh, Sweden they, Democrats. Yeah, the yeah. Sweden Democrats. They, they vote for Le Pen, they, they vote for this comedian in, in, in Italy, Beppe Grillo, mm. uh, and so on. So, so the, my, my argument is that the state architecture that capitalism needed for its uh, for its uh, growth uh, is in a very deep crisis, both at the macro level and at the individual state level. And in that sense, your your question is: the agency at the state level has to be answered in uh, with a yes and a no. The yes is yes. There's Donald Trump. Uh, there's Marine Le Pen. Uh, yes, yes, yes. They are all there, but they are not able to govern. Because, because uh, for, for all sorts of reasons, uh, they will not stop the process of globalization. Because they don't want to or because they can't? They can't. But isn't that the essential question? So if, um, you say uh, they can't govern, but they, they have the, in, in the narrative, the, the national narrative. Uh, they occupy that I for I the am. moment. Yeah, so yeah, how, that, can you, that, how can you that reclaim... Is, that is absolutely true. They, they tell a story about... And this is in part also justified. Uh, they say that the center-left has uh, abandoned uh, the nation-state as a tool to moderate the intersection between well, the, the working class. The, the, the center-left has, and has the uh, abandoned the working class. And we talked a lot about that after the elections of the, the failures of the 90s, how, how do we uh, end up at this situation. And there's an argument, I guess, to be made that the, the social democratic parties even though they were wrong, they were right at the time because they felt that this is the only means for power, mm -hmm. so, so not to be only critical of, I guess, we're, we're e always eager to be critical of these actors, but there mm -hmm. might might have been a rational yeah, yeah. argument so yeah, yeah. in this historic uh, period. But I'm just curious how to... Um, yeah, you say the Social Democrats are, are, are the enemy of... Of, of, of progress in, in, in that sense? Um, no, no, no. I, 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 I wouldn't say the Socialists are the enemies of progress. But, but, but I said that uh, the, the third way social democracy in the late, uh, in the second part of the, 19th, of, of the 20th century, of the 1990s, yeah. in, in fact, which is what you're alluding to. Yeah. Yeah? They, they believed or 
they believed that uh, the only thing that, that they could do, Tina, there is no alternative. Open up your economies to international competition, flexibility, and, and all of this, if you want to survive. Now, that might have been true, or it might not have been true, but, but they certainly believed it. Or they were opportunistic enough to think that with deindustrialization in their countries, they had no electoral choice. There, there was a growing sort of middle-class society that enjoys traveling all over the world and, and, and getting jobs in Cambridge, Mass, or this, this sort of thing. Yeah? Uh, so us and, and the, the daughters and sons of, uh, of the old uh, working class, generational change, you have to be attractive to them. Blair is sort of the monument of this story, no? So, so yes, uh, uh, um, the uh, to, today uh, the, uh, the the movement that you see everywhere is uh, where is the protection for us, the losers of globalization, cultural or material, uh, and then they remember we used to have a national state and national democracy. Where is it? Uh, and the only ones who offer them. Uh, a return to this uh, mode of uh, of uh, self-defense are the new nationalists. Uh, that is quite logical up, up to here. The question is, what can they do? But the question is, what can we do, right? Why what can the with the left? What can the left? Whatever, if that you know, sort of includes you. But but so if it's it's really isn't isn't the problem to go back to some. Um, moment where you divided the path, or you made a mistake, and tried to—you can can't do that. You can never go back. Yeah. So, so how can you? How can the sort of left go ahead? Yeah. Um, if you ask me, I, I have to tell you uh, that's not my uh, <laughs> my problem. <laughs> uh, because see, I, I have a, a very very uh, dark vision of the of the future. Yeah. For the left, the idea is that you need to have some sort of capacity for uh, collective, goal-oriented, rational action. That is, you can have a program. Yeah. For this, the world must be, by and large, predictable. And you must also have some sort of uh, image of the power that you can assemble uh, to put your program into reality. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, this is lacking completely. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Uh, so, uh, um, the world you can say, the world has become uh, unpredictable. And that's quite true. Uh, the, the, the most astonishing things happen. In the book, I'm trying to develop this image of a world in which traditional chains of causation have lost their stability so that... Uh, Uh, all sorts of things can happen. Uh, and, and I use Gramsci's uh, uh, image of the interregnum, where he says, a, a period in which the old order uh, has died, but a new order cannot yet be born. And this may drag along for a long time. And he says, and be prepared, the most bizarre things can happen during such a period. Yeah? The, there is a sort of metaphor uh, that one could use to, uh, to, uh, to understand what I mean with an interregnum or with this loosening of traditional causal connections, which is uh, that today the uh, uh, people who study climate change tell us global warming doesn't mean that it gets warmer everywhere. It means that extreme events uh, take place uh, unpredictably. Yeah, and in that sense, I think our political world is quite quite comparable. Take Donald Trump, uh, uh, take take uh, Brexit, uh, all things that uh, normal, uh, intelligent human beings would not have expected. Yeah, and they happen. Now suddenly they happen. Uh, and uh, I, I also I also think of uh, uh, the. Uh, Uh, what, what I call the super mechanics of, of global capitalism, like uh, Larry Summers and all these people. Yeah. After 2008, they kept telling us that maybe, maybe we're in a period of global stagnation, secular stagnation. Yeah. What does secular stagnation mean? And in a very revealing statement, uh, 
someone says, uh, uh, secular stagnation means that anything, any uh, any bubble can arise any time and explode any time without you being able to uh, to predict it. Yeah. So I think when I'm reading you, your books and your texts, um, much of what you say um, ring true uh, to me as a social democrat also yeah. was formed by the uh, who very much grew up in the 90s and then uh, was shocked by the financial crisis and uh, the, the exploding inequality and kind of had to um, adjust to that new world but um, I'm I'm thinking about the darkness though and the kind of deterministic view um, you have of the future and that I have a I guess a problem with that because I also think about going back to the question of agency mm -hmm. and I think I believe that there are more um, possibilities mm -hmm. for policy choices or for radical choices or for change uh, at least in the national um, in the national arena yeah good good for you that you uh, that you think this because otherwise you would be depressed are you depressed um, personally not but but when it comes to I, I some uh, I, I mean that's a big big comparison but but I sometimes feel like uh, uh, in terms of political economy we are in uh, January 1914 yeah. it's a bad place yeah yeah mm -hmm. and um, at that time there were quite a few people who said oh we can do something and so on and <laughs> they couldn't yeah the the, the, the trickiest problem in politics is problems of uh, collective action that is to, people say yeah, we only have to get together and then we do it but but that's that's the problem yeah uh, and uh, uh, where I want to correct you a little bit uh, is where you say uh, I'm deterministic I'm the opposite of deterministic uh, I'm I'm uh, talking about a hyper complex system in which you cannot predict things yeah yeah uh, de de deterministic would be easy and because because that's a sort of uh, outmoded way of, of of looking at societies we now know uh, that a society cannot be described in terms of uh, laws uh, of development uh, with a teleological uh, uh, element in it yeah there's no theology, but it's it's um, it's quite possible to describe the development of a society in terms of a more sophisticated notion of evolutionary uh, change, which is afterwards you can understand what what happened, but you cannot predict what what's going to happen next. Yeah, so society works uh, in an analogy to what Darwin says about nature. Society works with the material that it has itself has produced but what it does with it uh, depends on so many circumstances that it is completely unpredictable you don't know how the bird that's flying around there will look in 200,000 years uh, totally impossible and in, in, in that sense I think uh, what we've learned in the second half of the 20th century in terms of social science is that all deterministic models of social development uh, have to be discarded immediately, like modernization theory, for example. Yes, uh, uh, Partly because uh, people sometimes have choices, but I would uh, more emphasize uh, the complexity of, of the situation. And then sort of the, the faint an analogy would be... Uh, um, uh, this this thing about with this butterfly and and what, what's chaos chaos uh, theory. chaos, chaos theory. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah 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 that that would be a weak a weak analogy but but it's some somehow uh, uh, so it's a it's a world of coincidence and and no as we yeah and this world yeah, world agency yeah. and, that and, and here. that's a good point the way you put it because. Uh, uh, as long, let's talk about as social democrats, yeah? as long as we could think that we could assemble uh, uh, an, an organization, basically two, a union and a social democratic party, that can take over the government and the industrial relations system, then we have the capacity to uh, reduce the uh, accidental nature of historical development and make it more teleologically directed. 
So uh, the, the, the teleological theory uh, is conditioned on a particular practice of political organization. Yes. Now that we have lost that capacity, I maintain we have. Uh, now that we've lost that capacity, the world wor works more like a chaos uh, rather than like a structured order. Couldn't you also see it as um, a shift of power from from labor to capital, though? Not yeah. not chaos, but just someone else controlling the, yeah, but, the stage. Yeah, but... Uh, Uh, let me remind you what, what I said when I talked about the relationship between capital and the state system. Right. Uh, capital cannot function without a state that mm. that helps it function. Yeah. Uh, the, from as I said, from Genoa to Amsterdam, to, to, you you always need uh, uh, public power uh, to support the exercise of uh, of private power in in the market. Yes, and and that's that's why we, quote unquote, as social democrats, were so strong, because for a while in the 20th century, we could do something that served capital, that became indispensable for capital, while at the same time being uh, useful for our own clients, for social justice and so. The, the, this basically is Keynesian redistribution. You take the money from the rich, give it to the poor. The poor go out and they spend and spend and spend because they have a very high uh, uh, coefficient of, of consumption as a result of which capital is happy because they now can sell their stuff. Yeah? But this bond is, has uh, disappeared. Yeah? I'm, I'm curious about that fact because uh, you say, I think if I understand it rightly, that's a very... Uh, It's not a very clear relationship, democracy and capitalism. So if capitalism needs stability, but, but there's more democratic capitalism than capitalist democracy. So that, that seems not to be the case. And then you make this really convincing argument. So you could say capitalism needs stability. So there's, they're fine with any system. Authoritarian, that's what we see today. Yeah? They, they look for uh, stability no matter what, not, not in a democratic sense. But you make the argument that capitalism would eat, it, eat itself if they lose the consumer base. And that's, that's what you see in the last 40 years. You say with, yeah. with rising inequality, there's just no consumption yeah. in societies, so it, it eats itself. Um, how, how, so, <laughs> um, yeah, how would that... It's very so, short term. <laughs> yeah, but then, could, what so is short term? No, it's, I mean, if, you, if, if that's the argument, the, that uh, capital or capitalism needs stability, and yeah. then at the same time, you have created this extremely unstable system with debt overhang, yeah. buying time, yeah. uh, as yeah. the, the book uh, yeah. you wrote before this last one, it's... it's um, um, you could argue that capital in the long term to create stability do, does need labor, does need a counterforce to kind of moderate yeah, its impulses true. and you don't have that today. No. So it's a short termism and capitalism eating itself. Yeah, short term, the capitalism is an incomplete uh, uh, system uh, uh, I mean it believes so to be if capitalism has a belief <laughs> If it wasn't, it was something. Do you see it as an it animal? Was, it was something that have. I, I think it, I see it as an animal. So animals don't have beliefs; they have they have instincts, right? Impulses. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, uh, the, it would believe that that it uh, is sufficient. It's uh, everything can be capitalized. The, that's the premise of a capitalist economy. You can convert every social relationship, everything, into a marketable relationship. Because that's the life lie of a capitalist regime that has to grow, not just uh, horizontally in, on the periphery, but also vertically, uh, growing into the social structure, deeper, 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 because they always need to absorb uh, pre-modern, pre-capitalist things. This, this is, the, this is the, 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 the basic impulse of, of, of that, the basic instinct, you could say, of that, of that system. That yeah. animal. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, Uh, so, they, but we know, as as observers or as social scientists, and we believe and hope as social democrats, that not the entire that the entire world cannot be subsumed under capital, and that the moment that capital sort of uh, begins to win in this respect, it loses. Why? Because non-capitalized uh, social resources like mutual confidence. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Es ist ein John Treuen Glauben, ja. Goodwill. Trust. Trust. Goodwill. Are, are important. Families are important to produce children, and you cannot build a family on the basis of uh, of market relations. Impossible. Yeah, cannot. Can, it's impossible. Although people can try. Yeah, Here they, they farm out their children to Philippine nannies, and and right. So it it can be tried, but uh, I would think uh, another element that that is that that is not capitalist is. The capacity, as I say, in the 20th century, when we move to consumer capitalism, to restore the capacity of workers to buy the stuff that the capitalists produce for them. Yeah? That cannot happen. Capitalism cannot do this. And I give you an example for this. The, the recent debates in Silicon Valley on uh, a basic minimum income for, for everyone. Yeah? So, so suddenly these people... Peter Thiel, one of the most reactionary uh, people in, 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 in Silicon Valley, becomes a, an advocate of a, a basic minimum income uh, to be paid, let's say, $1,200 every month to every citizen uh, for free. Yeah. But, but that's a conservative impulse. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, wait, 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 wait. It's, it's more, more sophisticated mm-hmm. than that. Uh, um, so, so Why? Uh, and now he has to he has to defend this to his market obsessed colleagues and and he says the following: imagine uh, an unemployed person who has all the time of of the world uh, to, during a day he's dawdling around in he, he's watching facebook and and selena gomez on, on <laughs> And all of these wonderful things. I tell you something really? about uh, Justin Bieber. I, I tell you something about Selena Gomez in a, in a, in a, in a second. So, okay. so he, he's watching them, and he's, he watches them for free. Uh, he doesn't pay for it. He does pay for it uh, in two ways. Uh, we see his data. We can collect them. But more importantly, uh, he reads our uh, advertisements, the advert for which we are getting paid. And then he reads this advertisement for this wonderful lipstick or whatever, and then he thinks, I need that lipstick. When he, however, discovers that he has no money, then the, then the firm that sort of pays uh, Facebook uh, to advertise the lipstick will no longer pay. Yeah? Therefore, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the proletarian, so to speak, the modern proletarian who has no work, Uh, part of the surplus population uh, in order f- for him to be productive that is to work in the new way in the new world their work is giving paying attention not paying uh, money or pay, paying attention that's enough but for this you need money in order to actually make a purchasing position uh, so so this is this is a problem where they think they need a state to do something for them in in To show how complex the situation is, if you look at which companies in the world are the world champions in uh, a tax evasion, these are the Peter yeah. T companies in, in the valley. So, so they have an additional problem. Who is the state going to tax in order to distribute the purchasing power uh, to the small guy who watches Facebook? Yeah? And they have, they have no answer to this. Certainly not us, they will say. Couldn't this, though, be the beginning of a new uh, compromise? Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> Just listening yeah, to you? Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, a moderating structure, uh, new institutions Eternal social for democrat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, the, the bizarre things are possible. <laughs> the bizarre, but it has to be done on a global level. See, see one thing with a, with a basic minimum income uh, in, in today's world... Well, where, personally, I hate that idea. Yeah, I, I do, too. Uh, but... But apart from my apart from from my sentiments, yeah, uh, 
if you introduce this in Sweden, you would have uh, 200,000 Tunisians uh, sort of waiting uh, at your border to, to come in because they want to participate in it. And then you have to say that, no, no, it's only for Swedes. Im imagine this. That's completely impossible. Yeah. So the moment you have open borders, this thing is dead. Yeah. Uh, but you have to have open borders in order to have all this global uh, uh, capitalism. There are lots of contradictions from which I conclude that if these projects are so self-contradictory, this is not that because the guy is so stupid. It is because the situation is so complicated. Mm. Yeah? I have a question to pertaining to something that you wrote, you wrote um, which I found quite helpful to analyze the present situation. The capitalism is not an economic problem, but it's a societal, it's a, it's a, it's a, 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 yeah. a shape of a society. Yeah, yeah. So and if you talk about your views of, of humans, in a way, so if you have a very, also very dark view of, of, of humans that, that sort of give in to consumerist uh, uh, urges very, very easily... So if if you, if you if you think this is the way society is structured for not for the last 40 years but for the last 140 150 mm -hmm. years where do you look for uh, as as a as an alternative how how could you sort of rethink society if 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 so much is destroyed basically through in, in your view through the the way capitalism became yeah. a culture uh, that's a good question but I I want to say that uh, Consumerism is not that old. Uh, it begins in the 1930s. Would you, would you discern, discern consumerism from capitalism uh, as such? Or is, is no, 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 but, but, but capitalism moves through different stages. So, so the, uh, the capitalism of the, of the 19th century uh, was not driven by consumption. It was driven by investment, which meant that you had to force workers to actually work by all sorts of uh, strange means and, <laughs> and this, this was the high point of the industrial uh, era no? uh, in, in the 1930s the problem begins uh, to become like this basically people have everything that they need um, how do we make sure that they uh, now they buy a car and in three years they buy a bigger car so although the old car is still wonderful yeah And, and and how do we introduce changes in, in fashion so, so that they dump their old stuff and buy new stuff? But that's new. Yeah? That, that wasn't the 19th century. The 19th century was, was different. So I say that the motivational structures that have to come with capitalism, and that's the, the, deeper, the, the deeper problem, uh, are extremely uh, difficult to, uh, to engineer uh, because they are not... Uh, uh, Inborn, they they have to be socially produced. Marx, in the 24th chapter of the first volume on which I have uh, uh, written something recently, um, the the primitive accumulation uh, uh, model that that he that he did. so primitive accumulation essentially is about the following problem: um, the medieval uh, individual, and basically everybody on the on the earth. In the, we're now, let's say, uh, in, in the middle of the 18th century, uh, look, looking around. Um, the, the people basically work so long, as long as they need, in order to satisfy uh, their current level of need satisfaction. Yeah? So if the, if the uh, 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 wage increases, they work less. If, uh, if you want them to work uh, more, you have to lower their wage, which is the opposite of economics. Yeah? Marx is, is the And then Marx shows how in the transition from the, from the Middle Ages to modernity, uh, a regime of uh, um, uh, maximum wages and minimum hours slowly changes into a regime of minimum wages and maximum hours. Yeah? Now that comes with a total uh, sort of reorganization of the motivational uh, apparatus of individual human actors. Um, the, from need satisfaction to maximization. 
Is yeah. it a consequence of human nature or just no, it's a, it's incentives? Marx, Marx shows, mm. uh, first of all, how this is a process of, of violence. The, he, he shows that the violent means with which people had to be re-educated. Take Weber, who uses uh, religion as the, as the mechanism by, by achieving exactly that. Weber says normally people, when they have enough money for the rest of their lives, they wouldn't work anymore. But the Protestant uh, uh, works like like an idiot, and and he he never spends what he what he earns. He accumulates it. So so he says accumulating uh, uh, wealth becomes a purpose uh, in itself and and spec for sich. Yeah, and and for us modern human beings, working has become uh, 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 the, the, the the purpose in our lives, and we are proud uh, on of being exhausted, which is quite uh, strange by, uh, by by comparing entire civilizations. So we say, "Oh my God, am I exhausted?" And 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 and, and people say, "Oh well, <laughs> he's working hard, but he has all the money that he needs." Yeah? And and so to reorganize the motivational structures in this way is an enormous industry that is now sort of uh, advertisement and so on. Meaning that uh, uh, today, if you want to get out of uh, of the capitalist machine, uh, there is uh, sort of the dialectical return at a higher mm. level of, uh, of development uh, from a maximization economy uh, to a subsistence economy. Yeah? I think that's that's the core of everything, because uh, the maximization economy in which we live is not generalizable anyway. I said at the beginning, the problem of capitalism is that it depends on infinite uh, accumulation, but we are living in a finite world. So, so I think this is the ultimate wall that we're hitting, and at this point, the environmentalists see this exactly the same thing. You have to find ways of getting people out of the maximization habit. You can also say to slow down. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, a difficult moment, I guess, Very. If, if you see India or China or yeah. Sort of yeah. the whole pop, the world mm. trying to catch up on it's, this especially fallacy, you might call it. So if, yeah. um, how can this German professor not be despaired one no, one no, thinks no, no, but, no, no, but but how, how can no. you how can this you is think below. This is below. <laughs> no but, but how can you think <laughs> oh, I don't want to go to that depth yeah. how, how can you sort of think critically about capitalism yeah. while it's um, so on the move so on the rise for no no this is also I, I uh, the, the Chinese are going to everybody knows the Chinese are going to to have huge problems because China now is a divided society between the urban society and the rural society, and you can't even aren't even allowed anymore to migrate from the villages to the cities be, be, because the cities cannot absorb anyone anymore. At the same time, you now get wage pressure in the cities, and and manufacturing moves to Thailand or places like like this. The Chinese are going to have exactly the same problems as, as we had. It is true that in the Asian culture, consumption. Is driven by a very uh, sort of un-European uh, motivational structure, which is, the, some uh, Korean explained that to me. Do you know that that Korean women, almost all Korean women, have face surgery? Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, it's it's the greatest industry in the world. They they all sort of beautify themselves, quote unquote. The the eyes, uh, European eyes. Now now why do they do this? In 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 a European philosophy, European psychology, you would think they want to be more beautiful than than the others. No, the 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 much more powerful motivational forces. They don't want to be ugly and thereby discredit their friends and their family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so it's a it's a it's a it's a collectivistic consumerism. Um, so we we want to talk a little bit about Europe, but I I want to ask something. Yeah, we need to at some stage. Continue. Yeah, we have a few more minutes, but um, I want to ask something that I've been thinking about since I read your book, Buying Time, uh, when you talk about because I'm thinking about we ta we're talking about these macro structures now and these big movements, but I'm thinking about the individual and the person who wants to try to create change, or organize, or yeah. Um, this new way maybe of collective action so 
You say in your book that if constructive opposition is no longer possible, which you seem to believe, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, the only way for citizens to behave or to choose is destructive opposition. And yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, the, and what oh, is the individual to do who wants to not just okay, despair or okay. give up? No, I, I, um, uh, I, I give an honest answer to this. Uh, the, 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 this is what I think is the case. Now you can think it, the, the, this is there's something else, but this is the way I see it. I put it in analogy to the way capital communicates. Now governments always listen to uh, what capital tells them, but capital can't speak. Uh, it speaks through uh, action. And the action is uh, to withdraw its cooperation. Yeah? If your government doesn't uh, cooperate, then they go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah? And in advance of that uh, exit, uh, their representatives will, will speak uh, in human language. And what they will say is, uh, we feel so uncomfortable here. We, we have lost confidence in your government. And that every government in the world understands exactly what that means, that this is a threat, a death threat, and they will pay attention. Yeah? Now, what I'm in, in, at the place that you, that you quote, uh, after the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, suspension of traditional uh, uh, democratic uh, channels of interest articulation, unions, uh, center-left parties, and, and so on, what language can uh, labor speak? Yeah? And uh, I need an equivalent to this moment uh, when capital uh, says, uh, I have no confidence anymore. Yeah? <laughs> what, what, what do I and, and I actually think that uh, the bizarrest, uh, that, that with the traditional institutionalized means of articulation being uh, silenced, then if they threaten to vote for Le Pen, suddenly maybe the political establishment is going to listen. If they uh, vote for Brexit, maybe someone will understand what they are saying when they vote for Brexit. And indeed, in the British case, if you read uh, the speeches, uh, the, the crucial speeches of the new Prime Minister, Theresa May, she speaks a social democratic language that has not been heard in England uh, since uh, uh, the Blair administration. Yeah? Uh, but in, in many ways, as social, democrat, uh, as social democratic as Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah? The rhetoric. She, in the rhetoric. Yeah. We don't know about the practice, but we at least seem to, seem to see that she's sufficiently scared. But that's the same with Steve Bannon, though, and uh, some of the speeches yeah. that Trump is giving here. Yeah, and uh, yeah, absolutely, I fully agree. And these people are sensing that there is something on the way and that you have to uh, pay attention to it. And that is sort of very much in analogy to what I think happens if capital says, ah, oh, we have no confidence in this government anymore. Yeah? Now, now, what you make out of this politically, that is an interesting question. And whether people like us are able to read the signals. If I listen to my English friends, uh, about the, they say, oh, the reason it's just uh, rhetoric and, and, and all of this. But, but uh, uh, they should rather take notice of the fact that now, with Brexit, the conservatives see themselves forced to recognize that British voters have a particular relationship to the British government and they have a right to demand something. So, one last question before letting George loose on, <laughs> on Europe. So, uh, I know that you have kind of lost faith in social democracy and I think you've left, uh, left the party. That is true, yeah. Uh, but what would you wish if, if you anyway could talk about or speculate or make a wish list about how they would act in order for you to rejoin or no no I, I'm too no. old to rejoin yeah I'm, but what I'm, do you think they should do I'm divorced now and I don't, <laughs> don't want to remarry okay what what do you think they should do then 
Oh, that, that's a complicated question. My, my, my feeling is that, for example, it's not everything. It wasn't everything bad that they did when they were in the, in the social, in the, in, in, the, in the government with Merkel. For example, in Germany for the first time, they actually managed to get uh, a, a statutory minimum wage passed. Now, uh, the unions were against it, I think uh, completely stupid, mm -hmm. be because the unions claimed that they were able to cover uh, uh, all the sectors of the economy with collective bargaining, which they cannot do anymore. Mm -hmm. so, so now we at least have a minimum wage for uh, waiters, waitresses, or whatever, yeah? that, that I consider uh, a real achievement. It, it was not easy to, to do that. Uh, apart from that, you know, uh, I uh, I have to pass here. The the, uh, uh, the 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 problems that I'm describing, and I believe that these are our problems. Yeah, are so big uh, in in terms of a major transition in the history of of modern society that uh, even thinking about the German Social Democratic Party. Uh, helping solve these problems diminishes the the analysis. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think I think the thing has to come from the bottom, and and I think through ex permanent expressions of discontent, uh, uh, lack of trust in the in the in the present system, so that they begin to think. Yeah. If I if, uh, one more sentence, then then you, if, if I look at at how these modern parties operate. And I don't know. I don't know about Sweden, but I know about Germany and and, 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 and Britain and the United States a little bit. Increasingly, in the last 20, 30 years, they don't speak authentically anymore. They speak through, uh, 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 let's say, speech mechanics. Yeah. Oh, I think that's yeah. They, they true. They try to talk to Angela Merkel. I think that's completely impossible. You do you do not know who how, who she is. She is surrounded by six or seven uh, uh, public relations specialists, all women, interestingly, who, who every single word that she says is scripted. Yeah? Wherever she appears on television, they send an advanced uh, group of specialists that two or three days before she, she shows up inspects the, uh, uh, the, the scenario to make sure that she's never photographed together with something that causes uh, bad associations. So, for example, she visits the troops, the, the Bundeswehr. She must never be photographed together with anything that looks like a gun or a tank or whatever. It can only be with... Uh, uh, a flower. Yeah, or, or, or the, the wives of soldiers or female soldiers or something like this. These people are completely uh, manufactured. I'm curious about um, your explanation of the breakup of Europe, which which I find very convincing, but it sounds like a, so it's a social democratic project of a breakup of, of Europe. If, if you say Marine Le Pen has very strong social democratic uh, um, policies regarding uh, the labor or, or so, so social safety net, um, the rhetoric of, of Theresa May, um, what's the what? Which would make sense, I guess, if you say Europe is is a, is a project of elites and and of a more conservative elites, going back to the beginning of of, of, of the EU. How how do you think um, of of the the few remaining alternatives in France and Germany, for example, which are quite contradictory models? I, I would say mm. one is a more movement oriented person who who's very heterogeneous in his mm. his policy approaches, uh, Macron. Um, Movement-oriented Rothschild banker—that's an interesting concept. Yeah, not a not a party base. So he, uh, he's trying to connect to yeah, directly. Yeah, whatever the movement is, the free mm -hmm. movement of capitalism. Whatever the movement is, but I think that's his appeal in a yeah, way. That he's yeah, yeah, he's yeah. An, he's not a populist, but he's an outsider and and tries to form yeah, a different yeah, yeah, different yeah, yeah. Uh, electorate uh, around his, his his cause. And then there's Martin Schulz, who is. Um, Yeah, technocrat, I guess, very much from no, no, within the party. He's no technocrat at all. Explain, uh, explain no, but, to but, me. But, but since, you, since you, you're asking about... Uh, the, so you want a sort of concrete um, possible way that Europe could go today in order not to be in such a mess as it is now. 
No, I think you're right that this is not going to happen. I think yeah. we're, we're, it's going to break up. Yeah, no, but but wait, wait. Uh, I would uh, like to hear. That. <laughs> uh, wait, uh, did, when uh, uh, when the Brexit vote uh, happened, I I wrote a little piece in I think the Zeit where I uh, suggested that the upcoming negotiations with Britain uh, on the future relationship between Britain and the and and and, and uh, the European Union should be conducted in a constructive way, not as a punishment, but in a way of constructing a relationship between uh, Britain and the European Union that would be uh, more mutually satisfactory, at the same time uh, more flexible than the traditional membership status. And in fact, in that, in that uh, uh, capacity, it might be attractive even to members like Poland or whoever who are now in the European Union so that we might be able to construct a second level of membership that is less uh, imperialistic, so to speak, than the present one and use this as an opportunity to do this. Now you see that then someone who, who used to be a politician in the Christian Democratic Party he, he told me that, that uh, this is the absolute opposite of what uh, Uh, of, of what the, the Europeans want, and I, I understand that. Now, uh, the, the the European Parliament and Brussels, and especially the French, are trying to punish the British in order to avoid any appearance that some uh, more sort of uh, some softer uh, kind of membership status could emerge from these discussions. Yeah, I think this. I think it's the last chance for Europe to use this. Uh, to soften up what I think is a level of integration that is too tight to accommodate all these different countries like Romania and Denmark. Yeah? These are two very different countries. If, if you want to govern them uh, according to the same regime, it cannot work. And within European Monetary Union, I always was of the view that European Monetary Union is a disaster Uh, because the different countries have different uh, uh, function differently economically, as a result of which uh, Germany now sort of uh, uh, sucks the lifeblood out of uh, the Mediterranean countries, and and they do so innocently. I I would say innocently in in the sense that they believe that these people should only do some reforms, and and then they would be like us, and 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 then everybody would be fine. Yeah, so. This is my sort of last uh, uh, rescuing device. Yeah. Loser, loser, lose up, loosening up. Uh, that that would help. Maybe one last personal question: Was there in the life of Wolfgang Streeck a moment when he was more optimistic? God, how did you start? God, so if you're, yeah, you're, everybody's always interested in my inner life. Yeah. Uh, no, your utopian <laughs> self. My, my inner life. <laughs> no, I. Uh, Isn't that wonderful, though? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to an extent, I mean, I, I, I want to have my private life. Uh, no, no. But uh, uh, see, from the beginning of my uh, active life as a social scientist and sometimes involved in politics, I thought it should be my specialty uh, to uh, have a, to take a cold look at what we are faced with yeah I don't want to be drunk when I drive yeah so <laughs> sometimes I want to be drunk but 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 not when I drive <laughs> and politics is about driving somewhere yeah and I want to have a very clear eye I want to really see what what there is now most politicians uh, in order to be charismatic yeah have to have uh, gleaming eyes and uh, sparkling eyes and they have to say, well, we do this, we do that, and then everything is fine. Yeah? These people I could not work with. So if I was ever, would ever be in politics, I would probably be uh, um, an invisible secretary of state uh, warning the prime minister, don't do this because it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So in, in that sense, I never 
I never was uh, was this sort of thing. But I did believe for a long time that uh, uh, with uh, uh, with enough effort, uh, some sort of social democratic settlement and compromise in our societies is still possible. And that that faith I've lost. So on that happy note. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation and we will never now know the secret of Selena Gomez <laughs> that's, that's for another time thank you thank you <laughs>